Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its applications. My name is Peter Rowlett. This is episode 40. 40 is the only number in English whose constituent letters appear in alphabetical order. Okay, this week on the podcast at the University of Nottingham, I sat down with Sarah Shepherd, uh, who's a PhD student at Nottingham and also edits I Squared magazine, and we talked over some maths news. Right, so the British Science Festival was held at the University of Surrey in Guildford earlier this month. Um, there were a number of events organised by the Mathematical Sciences section, including talks on the magic of computer science, uh, mathematics and meltdown, how financial systems collapse, why do journalists love stupid equations, chaos and climate, and flying to the moon. The BBC news website ran a feature which was a daily reporter's log from the reporter Sue Nelson and she wrote about uh, Simon Singh's talk Why do journalists love stupid equations? She said, writer Simon Singh delivered an entertaining and passionate plea for the media to respect mathematics instead of reporting stories that make mathematicians look trivial or bonkers. Singh's evidence was convincing he began by offering an equation which proved from first principles that the Teletubbies were evil. Uh, fairly predictably, she then offers up her own pseudo-mathematical equation, which gives the effectiveness of a science communicator as h plus j squared times 3f divided by a, where h is the number of hand gestures, j is the brightness of their jacket, f is the amount of facial hair, and a is the number of times someone says amazing. <laughs> I have a bit from um, Simon Singh wrote a companion piece in The Guardian. You know, over the years, the mathematicians have given us the perfect biscuit, the perfect marriage, the perfect joke, and the perfect penalty. And he says it may look impressive, but formulas for calculating things like the perfect horror movie are usually thinly veiled PR. <laughs> but it's quite an interesting article, and he's asking for people to send in their favourite phony formula. Right. The British Science Festival was held at Guildford, and... Um, one of the famous figures who hails from Guildford is Alan Turing. Gordon Brown has recently issued an official government apology to mathematician and World War II codebreaker Alan Turing, who in 1952 was sentenced to chemical castration for being gay. Turing took his own life two years later, aged just 41. Thousands of people had signed a Downing Street petition calling for an official apology. So in response to this, uh, Gordon Brown posted the statement on the Number 10 website where he described Turing as a quite brilliant mathematician and wrote that without his outstanding contribution the history of World War II could well have been very different. The depth of gratitude he has owed makes it all the more horrifying therefore that he was treated so inhumanely. So I have a piece, um, that story uh, as well I, I saw and there's a chap called John Graham Cumming who organised the petition and he writes a little blog post about how it all happened and how the media coverage happened. He's got a graph of the number of petitions, uh, number of signatures per day on the petition. It shoots right up when the article gets on the BBC <laughs> that it's going to happen. And he, he talks about how all, all of it, including a phone call with the Prime Minister. And he quotes, uh, Hello, John, it's Gordon Brown. I think you know why I'm calling you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the article in The Guardian said the petition has uh, 30,805 signatures at the time of writing. And Nolan Bradshaw covered Alan Turing in Podcast 21. 
I have a story from Science Daily. Uh, mathematicians solve trillion triangle problem. So mathematicians uh, have resolved the first one trillion cases of an ancient mathematical problem. So the problem which was posed more than a thousand years ago concerns the areas of right angle triangles. Uh, it's apparently a surprisingly difficult problem is to determine which whole numbers can be the area of a right angle triangle whose sides are whole numbers or fractions. And the area of such a triangle is called a congruent number. So a triangle with sides 3, 4 and 5, uh, a right angle triangle, um, has an area half times 3 times 4, which is 6, so 6 is a congruent number. The smallest congruent number is 5, the first few are 5, 6, 7, 13, 14, 15, 20, 21. Um, and they found a new way of uh, calculating these, and they've run it for the first trillion cases, and they've come up with just over three billion congruent numbers, uh, up to a trillion. I have a story about ministers mucking up mathematics. Andy Burnham, the health minister, uh, claimed that there was a production of 100,000 new cases of swine flu per day by the end of August uh, was not unreasonable. Um, and then later civil servants insisted the calculations were fair, and they were reported to the House of Commons, and there's this blog in America. Um, but it's based on the idea that if the current exponential growth rate continues for months on end, then it could reach 100,000 a day by the end of August. Anyone familiar with exponential growth and or epidemiology um, knows that exponential growth cannot and does not continue for very long. Uh, if cases double every week, then by the end of September, one month after Burnham's estimate, they will increase by a factor of 16 or to 1.6 million cases per day. <laughs> um, a month later, in the height of flu season, we'd be seeing 25 million cases per day. And, and they point out, if you put E. coli in a Petri dish and watch it double every 20 minutes, before long, all the mass in the known universe would be incorporated <laughs> if the exponential growth just continued. Uh, and ends with, did I mention this doesn't happen ever? <laughs> so, I, so I have a link to the blog, and it was pointed out by the, uh, by the Times, actually. And, oh, well, while we're on E. coli, um, the Guardian Science blog, biologists have created a living computer from E. coli bacteria that can solve complex mathematical problems. So uh, the piece of research has been published, uh, and bacteria were used to solve the a Hamilton path problem, uh, which is the route through a network that takes in every vertex. Yeah. Um, the researchers coded a simplified version of the problem using just three vertices, uh, by modifying the DNA of E. coli bacteria, the cities were represented by a combination of genes, causing the bacteria to glow red or green, and the possible routes between cities were explored by the random shuffling of DNA. Bacteria producing the correct result glow both colours, turning them yellow. Apparently, And this is seen as having great prospects for organic computing and synthetic biology. Hmm, interesting. The mathematical physicist Stephen Hawking has been awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama. This is an honour which recognises individuals who have made an especially meritorious contribution to the security or national interest of the United States to world peace, cultural or other significant public or private endeavours. The Guardian reports that at the honours ceremony, Obama said, from his wheelchair, he has led us on a journey to the furthest and strangest reaches of the cosmos. In doing so, he has stirred our imagination and shown us the power of the human spirit here on Earth. Hawking was one of 16 recipients of Obama's first Presidential Medal of Freedom. Others included Senator Ted Kennedy, uh, Harvey Milk and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So, because a lot of time has passed since we last did this, there's a lot of things that I've got, which I'm going to run through very briefly, I think.
So there's a piece in The New Scientist, the brain apparently operates on the edge of chaos. Most of the time it's orderly and stable and occasionally suddenly and unpredictably lurches into a, a blizzard of noise. Uh, in technical terms it says it's in a state of self-organised criticality on the boundary between stable orderly behaviour such as a swinging pendulum and the unpredictable world of chaos, for example turbulence. Uh, it might seem precarious to have a brain that plunges randomly into periods of instability, but the disorder is actually essential to the brain's ability to transmit information and solve problems. Lying at the critical point allows the brain to rapidly adapt to new circumstances, says Andreas Mayer-Lindenberg from the Central Institute of Mental Health in Mannheim, Germany. Oh, I was sent a note by uh, Stephen Lee um, that there's a new interactive online journal supporting the learning and teaching of mathematics from the Association of Teachers of Mathematics. Um, the journal being called Mathematics Teaching Interactive. They already have a print journal called Mathematics Teaching. And it was officially launched at the MEI conference in July. Oh, dates. There have been some funny dates. I saw this report um, from the July the 5th, 2009, which is the 5th of the 7th of the 9th. Uh, apparently three consecutive odd numbers make up the date only five times in a century. Oh, and, uh, California high school maths teacher Ron Gordon sent this in. Uh, he calls it Odd Day. <laughs> but apparently we're getting one in uh, 2011, 7th and 9th, 11th, and one in 2013, the 9th, the 11th, the 13th. But then it won't happen again for 92 years. Also recently, there seems to have been a spate of odd number of days. Uh, it was 999 recently. The other day it was 2009, 2009, if you like. <laughs> Over the summer there was... Um, Lots to be done on the 7th of August, uh, where we had uh, 12.34 and 56 seconds on the 7th of the 8th of the 9th, <laughs> and so on and so forth. The BBC reports science ponders zombie attack. Apparently there's a, there's a paper being put in a book um, that uh, analyses if zombies actually existed, uh, an attack by them would lead to the collapse of civilization unless dealt with quickly and aggressively. This is the conclusion of a mathematical exercise carried out by researchers in Canada. And they come up with I think a strategy for watch a zombie film could tell you that. <laughs> yes. Well, they come up with a strategy of count based on counterattacks. I think. <laughs> well, I've got Google's algorithm for ranking web pages can be adapted to determine which species are critical for sustaining ecosystems. Uh, say researchers, Google's PageRank algorithm uh, can be applied to the study of the network of who eats whom in an ecosystem. And by using PageRank, they think they can, or their own version of PageRank, they think they can work out which extinctions would lead the ecosystem to collapse. They can't use conventional methods to solve this problem because even in simple ecosystems, each species is embedded in a complex network of relationships with others, and the number of possible combinations exceeds the number of atoms in the universe, so it would be impossible to try more. Yeah, as I understand it, which I don't, Google PageRank is, uh, or basically is sort of based on matrix inversion. Yes, and the researchers tested their methods against published food webs and used it to rank species according to the damage they would cause if they were removed from the ecosystem. Well, I have a, I have a report from, well, it's a press release from the LMS and the IMA um, that the number of available mathematics entries in the UK is up 12% on last year uh, and higher than it has been for 17 years. And further mathematics has also continued to rise in popularity, entries increasing by 15% this year. AS level maths entries increased by 22%, and AS level further maths have increased by almost a half, 47%. Oh, well. I have a piece that claims a fresh row of A level standards broke out as it was disclosed that a third of A grade mathematics students failed the Cambridge University entrance exam. 
seems like a slightly clumsy sentence. Uh, but Jeff Parts, head of admissions, suggested it was difficult to pick out the most able sixth formers based on A-levels alone. So this is on a background of uh, the number of passes increasing for the 27th year in the row, with more than a quarter of entries graded at A. But it says here, experts have suggested that the rise is due to a less demanding examination system coupled with the fact that schools are better at teaching to the test. Some research has been published which suggests that pupils are no better at math than they were 30 years ago. The researchers asked 3,011 to 14-year-olds in England to sit math exams taken by pupils in 1976 and compared their scores with the earlier results. And their analysis showed that there was little difference between the two generations, even though 55% of students gained a grade C or above in GCSEs last year, whereas in the previous generation, less than a quarter of pupils taking O-level math gained a C or above. Uh, Dr Jeremy Hodgen of King's College London, who led the research team, said there's a great deal of teaching to the test, so that in trying to increase scores, schools develop an understandable focus on the test, so there's a narrowing of the curriculum. Okay. The researchers also found that today's secondary school pupils were more familiar with decimals than with fractions, whereas pupils 30 years ago were more familiar with fractions. And I, I wonder when it was, because I wonder if that was pre-decimalisation and therefore money is to blame. Yes, could be. Well, from, from the same article, I highlighted what uh, schools minister Diana Johnson said. Uh, said She highlighted another independent report showing pupils in England making real progress in maths and said that GCSE standards were rigorously monitored. Uh, we do not think the research based on tests in a small number of specific topics taken in 11 schools by 11 to 14 year olds is a good way to judge standards in the maths GCSE. Uh, an exam which tests the full breadth of the curriculum is taken by older pupils from all schools in the country, she said. Improved mathematics attainment is down to school uh, pupils' hard work and excellent teaching. This is further reflected by the fact that more and more young people are going on to study mathematics and further mathematics at A-level uh, and AS level, uh, which is what I always think when I see these comparative studies is the curriculum is different, so they might just not have covered Yes, the same and that occurred to me, it's, I mean, how can you compare them when uh, students 30 years ago would have been taught to the O-level and you can't just get a bunch of students now to sit them and expect mm. them to know how and, to answer uh, the question. And particularly 11 to 14 year olds is a strange age, mm. because... That's not the age at which you took the test, even 30 years ago, I don't think. Uh, and then I got a letter for the, to the Guardian by uh, Anne Watson, Professor of Mathematics Education, University of Oxford, um, picking up Diana Johnson on some comments that she'd made, um, that she's unimpressed with this piece of research, and um, particularly highlights children's understanding of ratio and algebra not having progressed since the early 1980s. Um, she describes these as topics, um, but... Professor Watson says, uh, ratio is a fundamental concept that has to be understood to use mathematics in science, engineering, economics, and almost any mathematics in upper secondary school and beyond. Algebra is straightforwardly the language of mathematics. These are crucial for further study in the same way as vocabulary is for English or line for art. These are not topics and children's problems understanding them were worrying in the 1980s and even more so now. I realise that a government which has spent millions on improving standards, has to snap back at such a research finding, but at least they can snap back with some mathematical comprehension. Have you seen this? Maths and computer science are the costliest degrees. I saw this, this was highlighted at a conference I went to the other week with some 
annoyance <laughs> by the chap who was pointing it out. Um, so this is apparently uh, a study by the National Union of Students. Maths and computer science are the most expensive degrees. They were looking at the hidden cost of degrees, so not just the tuition fees, but the equipment and so forth. Uh, maths and computer science setting students back more than £1,400 a year in books and equipment, a survey revealed. Uh, every week, undergraduates doing maths and computing degrees spend an average of just over £20 on books, £26 on equipment, and £13 on trips related to their degree. That seems very surprising. That is very surprising. Uh, they asked 1,187 students from 135 universities in the UK what they spent on their courses each week on top of tuition fees and living expenses. And then second most expensive, medicine and dentistry. Uh, business studies was next, art and design. Law and languages, in that order. Uh, Wes Streeting, president of the NUS, said it was completely unacceptable that university applicants are left in the dark about the true cost of degrees. But the chap who brought this up at a conference, uh, was Joe Carl, pointed out, well, it seems to be common with these things to lump mathematics and computer science together. And if you're a new computer science student, you're very likely to buy a new computer... <laughs> Yeah. But if you're a mathematics student, I mean, there's particularly £13 on trips related to their degree, I can't imagine. You'd have thought it'd be something like geography. Well, yeah, that's right. And, and £26 a week on equipment, £20 a week on books, it seems odd. But, I mean, I'd be interested to know if it's true or not. But it seems, it's, it's always seemed a very strange grouping to me. But a lot of cities group maths and computer science together as one. A lot of graduate destination data and things like this comes in as maths yeah. and computing, as though they're... I mean, they're sort of similar, but you could do maths and physics. You could do maths and, you know, why not just do them separately? I don't know. I'd like to see the raw data on that one. <laughs> uh, GCSE results also came out in August. Uh, boys have outperformed girls in the math GCSE for the first time since 1997. This year there was a two percentage point increase in the proportion of top grades awarded to boys for maths. And this has been put down to the removal of coursework from the math GCSE and has sparked a debate about whether boys and girls should be assessed differently. The coursework was removed due to problems with plagiarism, but experts say that while boys do better exams, girls thrive in coursework tests since they tend to work more consistently through the two years. Overall, the proportion of students getting grades A star to C in the math GCSE has increased from last year. Well run gender issues, I saw a piece in the Telegraph, the British Psychological Society has highlighted some interesting research which undermines the idea that girls are somehow innately worse than boys at maths and science. So this study compared cultural attitudes towards gender and ability in maths and science with how well girls actually perform in those subjects in 34 countries. Uh, the resu results showed a correlation between the extent to which a country believed girls performed poorly and the actual results. So they put it, in other words, if you tell girls they're biologically destined to be poor at algebra, they probably will be. And it, it's, it's a short piece, but it concludes, it shows uh, just how much more complicated the relationship between gender and performance really is than the cliché of boys are better at maths or there aren't enough women scientists because they're discriminated against. The reality is a tangled mess of deeply ingrained cultural attitudes and aspirations. So the autumn issue of I Squared magazine is now available. This is a special issue on women in maths and it looks at why there are fewer women in mathematical professions and what we can do about this. It also celebrates the work of female mathematicians from the past and the present, including Emmy Nurter, Sophie Germain and Cheryl Prager. To find out more about the magazine and to subscribe, visit isquaredmagazine.co.uk.
Um, the IMA, in collaboration with uh, the MA, the ATM, and the NAMAC, have launched a Chartered Mathematics Teacher designation. So the IMA have administered Chartered Mathematician for a long time, and now they've started Chartered Mathematics Teacher, which is part of a, a drive by a lot of different bodies, including the National Centre for Excellence in Teaching of Mathematics, to uh, develop teachers' professional uh, aid teachers' professional development throughout their careers. Uh, so there's a new CMath Teach website. Is, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, and there's a story as well on the MA website about this being being announced. I have a couple of neat little stories from uh, from local newspapers. One from um, one from Wales, and one from Crewe about students winning the IMA uh, graduate prize. When students graduate, each university gives out two prizes. Uh, to graduates, and occasionally these get in the local paper with a lot of fanfare, which is always nice to see. <laughs> it's a nice thing, because I think there are 70-odd universities that do maths, and two prizes at each of them, so that's 140, 150 students, out of, I can't remember if it's four or 5,000 graduate a year. So, I mean, if you've got one of these prizes, it is, a, it is something to be proud of. It's quite, quite an achievement, so I mean, it's quite nice to see that being celebrated. Uh, the IMA... Uh, the Institute of Maths and its Applications and the London Mathematical Society have awarded the 2009 David Crichton Medal for services to mathematics and to the mathematical community uh, to Professor Keith Moffat, FRS, who's Emeritus Professor of Mathematical Physics at the University of Cambridge in recognition of his contribution to fluid dynamics and mathematical modelling and for his leadership in many positions in UK and international mathematical organisations. Oh, so, so the latest issue of Mathematics Today... Uh, was a special issue entitled Wither Mathematics on the state of mathematics uh, in Britain today and the future. Right, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. Uh, you can get links to all the stories we mentioned in the show notes. Uh, the show notes, along with more information about the podcast and all previous episodes, are available through www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. If you're interested in what I get up to, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Peter Rowlett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T. Thank you for listening.